Hey everyone, welcome to Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. I uh, hope everyone is having a good pre-holiday uh, Wednesday, pre-Thanksgiving Wednesday. Um, as usual, I'll just sort of take your calls on whatever. I want to talk a little bit about the um, the latest mass shooting, which has brought with it the latest example of sort of, I don't know, opportunistic post-tragedy discourse. Um, online, at least now, it feels like we're at a point where folks... Uh, oh, wait, hold on. We have an update on Colin no longer. Oh, I thought we'd fix the issue with notifications. Huh. We have like a good-sized room for, for just one hour notice. Anyway, we'll look at that. Oh, someone else got it. Okay, we can figure this out later. Um, whenever, these days, whenever there is... Uh, a mass shooting, there's people seem almost gleeful that they can pin it on their political opponents. And it's really gross. And it leads to a huge amount of journalistic jumping the gun. Uh, we saw a pretty bad example of this with the Atlanta spa shootings, where to this day, people say it was an example of, uh, you know, an anti-Asian hate crime when there's really no evidence that that was the case. There's some evidence the guy had a thing about, um, you know, sex workers. I, 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 that doesn't mean the women he killed were sex workers, but it just was, you know, it, it, it fit a certain narrative. So that's what people assumed. So in this case, um, at the Q club shooting in Colorado, um, you have a situation where people, and I want to focus on Ben Collins. He's a so-called disinformation reporter at NBC. Um, they immediately said that this shooting was the direct result of, you know, libs of TikTok, Matt Walsh, the general groomer discourse, of course, Twitter being Twitter, I shouldn't laugh. Uh, a few people blamed it on me. It was my fault. The guy killed five people. I just posted something about this on my Substack, jessysingle.substack.com. I thought what Ben Collins did was like particularly egregious. He gave this weird monologue on Morning Joe on MSNBC where he basically splashed and read a bunch of his own headlines showing all the work he had done covering sort of anti-LGBT rhetoric. And, and of course, I think some of his articles are about legitimate anti-LGBT rhetoric. I also think he cast too wide a nest on, net on that, of course. That's a separate issue. But he eventually said, um, let me find the direct quote. He said this of the five victims. Uh, after after saying um, basically journalists need to do better uh, and, and asked rhetorically what – or asked himself what reporters can do better, quote, because there are five dead people in a strip mall because that was the only place they felt safe as gay or trans people in this town in Colorado Springs. This really drove me crazy. Um, first of all, it turns out that two of the people who were killed were probably straight. They were in long-term relationships with members of the opposite sex. There are five dead people in a strip mall because that was the only place they felt safe as gay or trans people. He is putting words um, in the mouths of dead people. There's no evidence these five people thought the only place they felt safe as gay or trans people or straight people were in this one club. There's just no evidence. He's, he's taking a viewpoint none of the dead people ever expressed, and they're dead, so they now can't say that's not what I said, that's not how I felt – and he's just putting words in their mouths. And he's doing it in a way that will help spread his preferred version of things, which is that the anti-LGBT stuff has gotten so out of control. There are, you know, Colorado Springs is a major city. It is conservative. But it's probably, given that it's 22, 2022, unlikely that a lot of gay or trans people would endorse the idea that the 
only place they're safe, that it's such a hellhole, the only place they're safe is in Q Club. So that really drove me crazy. Uh, I wrote about it. I just – I don't understand how that's seen as acceptable journalism. Um, also, just spreading the idea that, that we know this is connected to folks like Matt Walsh or libs of TikTok when we have no – we don't know what the motive was what yet. I mean he, we don't. He shot up a gay club, so that's a reasonable – First pass assumption that it had something to do with animus against the LGBT community, but but maybe not. Uh, this kid had a really fucked up life. Uh, he had there was a bomb threat he made last year. He'd been really viciously bullied online. His dad did time for drug stuff. Um, his mom was arrested but not charged for arson with arson. So this is like the sort of pe- person you would expect to do something like this. And as of now, no evidence had come has come out that he was radicalized by Matt Walsh or whatever. Um, so I, I just, I find this so demoralizing that someone like Ben Collins is trusted as a disinformation reporter. Um, is you using he indicative of your position on the non-binary claim? So that was the other thing. The guy allegedly responsible for this. Um, it's been a long day. So I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Anderson Lee Aldrich. Aldrich filed, had his lawyer file something saying he was non-binary and asking for they, them pronouns. As I said in my newsletter, um, I think this might be a case of the limits um, of, of of politeness and self-ID. I'm not going to call this person they, them on the basis – who's a mass murderer, they, them on the basis of one legal filing. If further evidence comes out that they'd identified that way a while, I'll be polite and use they, them. But for now, I'm just – I'm not going to do it. Um, let's jump to the calls. Neil, what's up? So speaking of Matt Walsh, um, he had his Berkeley event. I went, and so one of the interesting uh, exchanges was about like the studies. And so this was like the only like combative uh, question at all. And I, I sent the clip. I don't know if you watched it. Um, I haven't seen it now. Okay, so I'll try to summarize. So basically, it started off with this guy saying all of the studies, all like thirty studies, show that you're wrong. That that these surgeries and uh, hormones do improve like mental health and uh, all this stuff. And then Matt is like, no, that's not true. And then what are the studies, you know, name a study. And then the guy can't name it. He's like, all of them, all of them do. And then, so then Matt mentions one of the recent studies he goes, well, it only had a six month follow-up. So that's like no, not enough time. But then Matt like then cascades, like all the studies is having like a week follow-up. The guy goes, oh no, some have longer, you know, year, five years. And then they kind of shift to like, oh, it's, you know, Matt says, which I think this is a good point, is that basically we, we there are no studies long term of doing this to kids and then seeing how they are in adulthood because we haven't been doing this to kids for that long. And then the guy's like, no, it is. We do have studies that show that they're totally fine. Yeah, the only studies we have following people into adulthood are the Dutch studies, and they used mm-hmm. a very different um more conservative protocol than what a lot of activists are calling for. There's, yeah, there's everything you said. There's like some study that fits it. Uh, there's some six month studies. I think they tell us very little. There's some slightly longer studies, uh, but for kids in like a medicalized context, no, I mean the Dutch, the Dutch research is the best we have beyond that. Yeah. We, and then, and then it keeps going anything. and then, and then they like start going like, oh, do you really like believe these academics like aren't being like paid to like have whatever? Like it like it really like like goes off and like and then Matt just goes studies aside, you know, like do you really need the studies 
to tell you that you know castrating kids is wrong. It's like I feel like it was just a very unproductive. He said thing. castrating kids, or like like I don't know if castrating, but like stuff like that where it's like, it's like I just got I gotta watch it. I, I think it's yeah. hard to argue about this stuff during a live event unless you have a very firm grasp on exactly what the studies say. And I, I, I find it unlikely that Matt Walsh does, to be honest, but I'll, I'll watch the clip. I'll be curious to do that. Yeah. It's just, I just thought it was like really unproductive because I'm sure this guy will go, yeah, I really told it to him. And then all the, the conservatives are all tweeting out like, oh, you know, there's, you know. So oh, yeah, each side will say it, it showed yeah, the other side just, got wrecked or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. I'll check that out. I also had another question. Um, yeah, if it can be quick, just because I've yeah, it's, it is quick. It. So you tweeted about asking the name for the symbol, which which is a like a circled uh, plus, and yeah. then but then in the episode and people responded saying it's a circled plus, but then in the episode you still called it like an aspirin. So I was wondering like why you didn't use the name or like what. <laughs> oh, is it literally called a circle plus? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, the official okay. Unicode name. Oh, I didn't know. So that. I was just I'll, I'll it, know it was just funny because you asked and then you still called it an aspirin. I was like, okay. yeah, I think I thought I honestly thought people were joking, but circle plus. No. All right, I'm going to uh, – thank, thanks, man. I will uh, check out the washing. Jamal, what's up? Hi, Jesse. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I uh, had a holiday question, or I could rant a little about the uh, mass shooting. Uh, do you have a friend? Yeah, ask me the holiday question. All right, man. Um, so I was reading Mickey Kaus's newsletter when your notification popped up. Oh, it's working for me, by the way. Nice. Yeah, you're welcome. And so Mickey Kaus um, and Kanye West just sort of made me think about people who were awesome when I was a kid who started going <laughs> crazy. Um, so I was wondering, is there anyone you have like that? Who did you uh, read politically when you were a kid? And uh, what horrible things have happened to them? Oh, God. I mean, there's a lot of people who have disappointed me over the years. There's a really salient one. Um, there's a history podcaster... Uh, Daryl Cooper, who goes by Martyr Maid, like Martyr, you know, someone's a martyr. Um, so, so Martyr Maid is a history podcast that I find completely brilliant. And I just finished um, Fear and Loathing in Jerusalem, which is his series on the history of Zionism and the Arab-Palestinian conflict, you know, mostly up until 48 and or 49. Um I found that brilliant. I found a series he did call about Jim Jones called God Socialist Brilliant. And I think he's just like brimming with empathy and understanding and nuance. But in 2020, like a lot of people, his brain sort of melted. And there was some election stuff, some COVID stuff. He said weird stuff about Putin. And his online persona is just so different from this like careful, thoughtful history podcaster. So that that's not like someone I read as a kid, but um, and the Israel Palestine one, I think he published it in 2015. So it's not that long ago, but that to me is the most salient example of someone where like, you know, I just sort of feel disappointed about the trajectory they've taken. All right. Well, uh, it's the holidays are time to be cheerful. So I will go and read it, listen to his early stuff. You said Martyr Maid, right? Martyr Maid, I would recommend for everyone, God Socialist, uh, Fear and Loathing in Jerusalem, in the New Jerusalem, and then... Um, there's one called the unhumans or the anti-humans. That's just a two-parter about like Soviet atrocities. That's a very difficult listen, but I thought it was also good. All right, man. Well, I will listen to those. And uh, again, have a happy holiday. You too, Jamal. Thank you. KW, what is that? If I can get you, there we go. Um, unmuted now. Is that good? Yeah. How's it going? 
Okay, perfect. I'm I'm going okay. Happy Thanksgiving. Wait, there's something up with your mic. You sound crackly when you talk. Is there any way you can um? <clears throat> is that better? That is better. Sorry, I think there was something in my throat. Anyway, uh, two things I was going to talk about today. One was the mass shooting, obviously, and the other is just about tech and Twitter more broadly. For the mass shooting thing, I read your piece on Ben Collins. I more or less agree with everything about it. I just think that at some point, we're, you know, we're so polarized that I feel the time is ripe for some sort of South Park absurdist style comedy where imagine, if you will, you're in a casino and people are taking bets on the identity of the shooter. Like one side is going, almost come seems on, like we're at that. That would be a good South Park episode. That's what I mean when people are like almost happy about it. Like there was this surge of, of um, gleeful conservative posting when the non-binary thing came out. Uh, it, it's it's crazy, man. But I, that would totally be a South Park episode. Yeah, I mean, one side going, come on, come on, radical Muslim. And the other side going, come on, white QAnon supporter. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what we're getting to. Trey Parker, Matt Stone, don't you dare steal my idea. <laughs> I hope they welcome. do steal your idea and, and compensate Actually, you. That would be funny. Yeah. Then the other thing is just, you know, I, I loved your interview with Catherine D that you had the other week, I think it was. And I was never on Tumblr, but... I know a few people who were and then moved on to Twitter. And, you know, I think she says what she says makes a lot of sense about how the trajectory seemed to be from academia to Tumblr and then to Twitter and then to elite journalism and the arts with this stuff. Yeah. And the, there was a recent uh, interview that Coleman Hughes did with Freddie DeBoer, and they basically agreed on that, too. I think. Coleman oh, I should listen to that. that. Yeah, just, just so yeah. other people know, Kat, Catherine D. She's a good writer on internet stuff. Her argument is that this idea that like students are radicalized in universities and that that's now seeping into the culture, she disagrees with that. She thinks it's much more that Tumblr has these weird effects on the discourse where a lot of like maybe corrupted academic ideas on Tumblr have that effect. And I, I'm very partial to that. So yeah, you said, yeah, you said Coleman Hughes makes... and Freddie DeBoer talked about this. Yeah, Coleman Hughes in particular mentioned that when he was in high school, he joined Tumblr because girls he liked were on Tumblr. <laughs> hey, can you can you blame him? I, I can't. Nah. But that's where he discovered all these concepts, like a, about a dozen different things that later became the center of the culture war. Yeah. And seeing this hop over to Twitter, now I know I'm going back what feels like a month ago, but was really only a week ago with the Elon Musk takeover. And everyone just sort of going in unison. Oh, God, Twitter's dying. We're on the bridge of the Titanic. Here's where you can find me. You know, I don't think I've ever truly realized what a hive mind it is there until I saw that. Just everyone doing the exact same thing, thinking the exact same thing. It's like something out of Star Trek, man. Yeah, it's very, there's a huge amount of group thinking conformity. And I think at the end of the day, Folks aren't going to leave Twitter, and I don't think Mastodon's going to take no. off. Um, Mastodon, sure? I mean, speaking of Star Trek, did people not realize what happened to Will Wheaton when he went over there? I mean, <laughs> I forgot come on that. now. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the call, KW. You're welcome. Patrick, what is up? Hey, Jesse. Happy uh, Thanksgiving Eve. Happy Thanksgiving Eve to you as well. 
So how do we follow you on Mastodon? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I'll be on uh, Journa Host, but uh, yes, we're we're going to talk about Mastodon on the podcast. I have I have no plans of joining it. The last thing I need is any more social media accounts. Yeah. So uh, I guess on the topic du jour of the shooting, I do believe there was actually an SNL uh, skit about this kind of phenomenon, not in terms of the uh, the queer issue, but I believe it was them. Uh, it was white and black reporters basically kind of being happy or sad whenever details about the shooter emerged. Shooting. Oh, interesting. I should check that out. Black. But it's basically the same kind of phenomenon. And just to echo the points I already said, it is kind of weird watching like the sea change happen in real time of that little detail coming out. So the only thing I can say is that I do think it's fair to not take a mass shooter at their word. However, the attorneys filing a document, if they have any reason to believe it's untrue, they can't publish false things. So the attorneys are going along at least truthfully with what their client has said to believe. Sure. Uh, but, but they're uh, not, they're not going to conduct an investigation. I mean, they're just, if well, he says yeah, this, no, they're, they're going to do it. Exactly. I, I, I more mean that kind of thing, but that's kind of what the limits of the legal system are. And to your point about like kind of the limits of self ID, I believe in California, the way how our self ID law works for prisons right now is that if a person identifies as non-binary, it's actually illegal for any kind of prison system to do any kind of that investigation into it. And uh, it allows the person to kind of choose uh, what kind of prison setting they feel is most aligned with their gender identity, which is where the kind of backlash happens. So hypothetically, if this person were a political martyr making a point about this kind of stuff, that would be the reason why they would be going along with it. In addition to avoiding any other kind of hate crime charges. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the call. And I, I, I want to check out that SNL thing. If, if you can send me an email with that, if you remember, that'd be great. Little link. We'll do. Thanks. Justin, what is up? Uh, hey there, Jesse. Hopefully I'm coming through. Okay. You are. Excellent. Um, I'm using the, the website this time. Oh, nice. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, all of this shooting talk, I don't want to dwell on that too much, but uh, some of the comedy uh, potential that the callers have been pointing out, um, something did happen on SNL many years ago. A, a lot of people are probably familiar with, but they had a great um, skit called the Race Olympics where they were drafting people into their races. Didn't and they steal that from um, Chappelle's racial draft? Oh no, that's what I'm thinking of actually. Okay, oh, Dave Chappelle. Okay. Yeah, was it was it the was it the the, uh, the top pick? I think was Tiger Woods because the blacks and the Asians could both pick him. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it was all over the place, and they and they like, they were trying to give away certain people and stuff like that. <laughs> it was really yeah. good. But anyways, yeah, like just really plumb in the depths of the kind of this like uh, uh, how much race matters. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I did want to also say that. Um, Another kind of ghoulish thing that has been kind of happening here, there's been all of this kind of frothing at the mouth about what are the motivations of this guy. Um, and I obviously, immediately most places came out and they're saying, okay, this is an anti-LGBTQ thing. It, obviously the venue means that's valid speculation, but um, as far as I know, there's nothing that actually confirms this as the motivation here. No, um, I 
today and, there was a Washington Post article saying authorities are still seeking a motive. So I think as of as of right now, we just right. And uh, this this is a pretty common thing that happens. If it turns out that it goes one way, only one side of the media will ever talk about it again. If it goes another way, we'll never hear from it. And it's sad that things are broken in this manner and we can't just get decent journalism, like something that's more complicated, like maybe you would write. It's huge to sort of be first and to immediately, you know, sort of launch the narrative. And, And in Ben Collins' case, it, Frankly, it benefits him to make these claims because that's like his beat. His beat is this anti-LGBT stuff. So if he can make this mass murder about his beat, that increases the importance of his beat, you know? Uh, Yeah, it just sounds like another step in the direction of, you know, these institutions, they serve themselves by doing, by, by pushing these narratives like, it's like, why is the ADL still a super big thing? Like, look what's happened with a bunch of these organizations that really just gin up hysteria around this kind of thing in order to, in those cases, it's more funding directly. But in this case, you know, funding through views and that kind of stuff. The last thing I want to mention was uh, there's another kind of thing about this um, that's been happening with the discourse around Twitter where everyone's just trying to like, will it failing into existence? Like just constant articles, it's failing, it's falling apart, oh my God. Exactly, and I don't know if you felt this way, um, but this kind of happened when the Joker came out a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. It was all this preemptive, like, oh my God, something terrible is gonna happen. And it really seemed like they just wanted it to happen. It, It was ghoulish. That was the Joker thing was so bizarre. It yeah, they wanted there to be like I don't I can't you know you're right. It 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 almost made it sound like they would have welcomed an Aurora Colorado style mass shooting because they were so convinced this was like a movie that like normalized and endorsed white male rage. That the discourse around the Joker, someone should just do like a top fifty worst discourses of the last ten years. That would be up there. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, you're you're that guy in in a lot of these cases, Jesse. I think I think it's all on your beat. So I'd love to see you uh, cover it. Uh, anyways, thanks a lot. You got a lot of callers. Thanks, Justin. Alex, what is up? Hey, Jesse, can you hear me? I can. Yes. Um. So I'm just gonna speak uh, rant off a bit about um the shooting that happened last uh yesterday or so I live by the way I live in Australia and I mentioned this because uh hearing about what happened at Club Q kind of reminded me of uh what happened what happened in Christchurch back in 2019 when this white nationalist shot up um a lot of Muslims in a mosque and he basically live streamed it and for a while we had like coverage about this must be the right, um, the right's fault, particularly the Australian right's fault, because all we talk about, all they talk about is how immigration is bad, how, you know, um, Islam, uh, radical Islam must be called out and how, you know, everything that they try to associate with the, um, with that shooter, shooter is basically someone, someone someone's fault over at Sky News Australia, which is basically our equivalent of Fox News. Right. Um, but, you know, 
Yeah, I was also reminded about how last year when there was the Atlanta spa shooting where well because the victims happen to be Asian and they happen to be female, it must be they a lot of people perceive that it must be an Asian hate crime per se. But you when you look at the motives, it, it just appears that he the guy's just so self loathing and he happens to just choose this place that happens to have these kinds of Yeah, things, that's what the that's of, what the evidence suggested. Yeah, and so I feel really weirded out by how when there, whenever there's a huge mass shooting that happens in America, that you know you just have to jump into um, your preferred kind of narrative rather than just wait for the facts. And I wanted to also call out some people who uh, happen to be conservative leaning because. You know, I remember when the Pulse shooting happened, you know, there were some conservatives who would say, hey, this was bad. This is um, this is bad for uh, gay people because it, the shooter happens to be Muslim. But I don't really think that it's going to this kind of sentiment is going to be apparent uh, for Club Q because a lot of like conservatives that I follow will keep hanging on about you know groomers and watch the what they'll teach to their kids and i want i want to say that people like tim pool is just just speaks to um what i'm i'm trying to say here yeah there's a lot of not not to talk over you but there's a lot of very gross discourse including tim pool um and it's the kind of like just really over the top discourse that I think could potentially incite violence. If you're running around calling people groomers and obsessing over like the drag queen thing, I, I don't know. I saw some really crazy tweets from Tim pool on this. So I think we can hold two ideas in our head at the same time. One is that yeah, yeah, that's, there isn't evidence in this case, but that, that, that kind of discourse is bad and shouldn't be no- encouraged. Um, I should also mention that, you know, having, I should mention Australia again because you know Temple made a bunch of comments about how there was this um, uh, quarantine facility in yeah. the Northern Territory that. Oh yeah, no, know, Alex. I feel bad, like but there's a lot of other people in the queue, and I just want to um, just so I, it'll be tough to switch topics. But yes, Tim Pool, correct me if I'm wrong, but he said a lot of stuff that was just totally false on that, right? I remember yeah, getting in a fight was... with him about this on Twitter. Yeah, that that was that's correct. And by the way, I'll just have the final word. I'll, I'll recommend if you haven't checked out uh, these two videos from uh, Timber on Toast about Temple, I highly recommend it. Timber because on Toast. Basically... Yeah, he also okay. did the Dave Rubin documentaries. Oh. But Tim, it basically laid out like the methods of news analysis that Temple does and how he basically gets away with it from. Uh, with his wiping audience by claiming that he is a milquetoast fence sitter. I think it does this, this way better than um, any of his critics would do. And it actually like changed my mind gotcha. on, that, um, on here. I, I got to let you go, but will you post a link or the name of that YouTube creator in the chat? Yeah, sure. We'll do Thanks, that. Man. I appreciate it. W, what is Thanks. up? Hey, Jesse. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, you too. I was just wondering I um what you kind of think about uh the kind of left response to this shooting has seemed particularly caustic and 
somewhat understandable um, um, kind of fear. Um, and I was wondering if you noticed any d difference between maybe the pulse shooting and this shooting um, and just over, you know, I don't even know how many years it's been, but just in a short time and the change. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard for me to remember exactly what it was like right after the pulse shooting. I mean, my my general take won't surprise anyone. I think we're getting more polarized, more epistemically fractured. Um, I just think we're getting less able to – there's no way to handle a horrible traumatic event. It's horrible. Five people are dead. Um, something like 18 are wounded, so there's no good way to handle it, but – I just I'm getting really worried about like epistemic closure and the fracturing and and people just really immediately retreating to their corners and reciting their preferred talking points. I think the less we have a shared truth or like a shared willingness to wait for the truth, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be a civil war in America or anything. But I think it does destabilize things. Just just this sort of like every every new tragedy, the response gets a little bit more unhinged. And I just, I just think it's things are heading in a bad direction. So that's, I mean, maybe that's more general than what you're going for. I, I, I can't necessarily speak directly to the response to this versus the response to Pulse. I was just going to say something that I think is interesting. And I'm sure you've noticed this one on Twitter is like, maybe the like very hyper specific blaming of who is assumed to be the cause. And kind of the scary like jk rolling <laughs> yeah it's like libs of tiktok and specifically matt walsh and libs of tiktok and i've definitely seen very not so veiled language that they should just get murdered and it's really fucked up no i mean that's what i mean about like things get pointing in a dangerous direction now i i also think um libs of tiktok in particular uh the constant highlighting of like the craziest queer people on TikTok, I think is really bad. And I think they're not representative. So I really, I don't like her project. I think Matt Walsh has said some messed up stuff. Um, although I wouldn't put him in this quite the same category. So it's bad. Everything's getting more heated. It feels like the rhetoric's getting more violent and people are getting like a little bit more sort of, you know, we must take out the other side. So how can any of this lead to a good. And just one last thing, what's on your plate at Thanksgiving? Um, uh, I'm vegetarian, so a lot of stuffing, a lot of mashed potatoes. Uh, yeah, and I'll be doing Thanksgiving with other folks who eat meat, so I'm not going to expect anything that fancy veggie wise. But I'm 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 content with that. You know, gravy, mashed potatoes, stuffing, some kind of salad. It'll it'll be fine. What about you? Uh, I'm originally from Alabama, so all the <laughs> all the meat and dressing and all that. But I'm in the Central Valley in California, so. If you send out good energy, send it to our farm workers. We appreciate it. Have I a good day. Glad to. Pierre, good energy to the Central Valley farm workers. Hey, Jesse. Um, hey, I had a few or just a few quick thing, observations. So I'm kind of probably a little bit more in disagreement than agreement with you in some of this because I feel like there's some reflexivity of like, reflexive like hyper skepticism of people who are trying to draw conclusions based on this so like i think that for example like michael tracy like i was following his feed and he was like well that we should be 
we should hold, withhold judgment until we see more evidence. And then he brought up a different attack where there was this manifesto. But I think like, I don't think you need a man. If your benchmark is, oh, well, we need a manifesto to ascribe like intent. I think that that's kind of a, too high of a bar. So like, for example, don't like manifestos. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think also that like, for example, if someone like the New Zealand shooter and he went to a mosque, um, like, after that, if you didn't see any evidence of, of, like, a manifesto, like, I feel like you could make some reasoning, like, inference, like, maybe maybe not more than circumstantial evidence. But, for example, like, if you did went there and then you killed, like, two or three people, like, okay, maybe it's targeted and it's not how many things to yeah, do no, with. Look, if you, go, if you go to a mosque, that's such a specific place. But to me, um, a gay nightclub is still in that category of just, like, a very crowded area where you will find a lot of people on a Saturday night. Um, so I can see a troubled person just trying to kill people in general. Um, yeah. If someone goes to a mosque, I don't know. I think it's fine to assume that they were motivated by anti-Muslim animus. Okay. All right. Well, I will leave it there, but thanks right. for taking my call. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Karina Cohen, what is up? Hello, can you hear me? No, I want to talk to Corinna. Corinna, say something. All right, I'll jump to Blakely. Corinna, if you get back in the queue, I'll bump you to the front. Blakely, what is up? Hey, can folks still hear me? Throw me a thumbs up if you can hear me. All right, a lot of thumbs up. Thank you. Maddie Wheels, let's try you. Can you unmute yourself? Hey, Jesse. Um, there we go. No, oh, I don't know what I'm hearing. I'm so sorry. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Sorry. My Spotify started playing in the background. Um, I just wanted to um, go back to what someone said earlier about the, um, the Catherine D interview you did. I thought it was so... It was super refreshing, and I hadn't actually heard of her before, um, but I thought her perspective on that sort of, like, Tumblrification of the way that that sort of, like, ideology and way of thinking gets promoted was super, super helpful because, uh, I don't know, I mean, I, like, personally, I, I would sort of be that poster child for college radicalization. I was like a male women's studies major at a seven sisters college. Right. But like, I didn't come out of that with that same rabid <laughs> sort of like need to yeah. police everybody. And I remember thinking around that time, like 2012, 2013, when that sort of like social media, social justice stuff started cropping up that the way that I sort of analyzed it then was that what was sort of being dealt out on those websites were like the products of critical thought, but not, but people didn't arrive at them through the process of critical thinking. Right. So it's like, you got to this end result. Someone gave you this end result that you sort of trusted was, was the thing that you should parrot to be, you know, quote unquote good, but then you, you didn't get there yourself, right? So it's like right. you didn't go through this this process of kind of rationalizing and actually 
firming up those beliefs beyond just kind of like arming yourself with them. And yeah. I hadn't really thought about that for a while. And so that that really just sort of like brought me back to that moment in time in kind of the early 2010s. And I just I love that interview. So just wanted to say great job and great job on the live show in Boston. Thank you, Maddie. I'm glad you, you were able to come. And uh, yeah, Catherine's great. I was glad I was able to interview her. So I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. All right. Let's do Corinna. If we get her mic working, then Blakely, I'll bump him back and then Christopher, and then we'll get out of here. Corinna, what's up? No, we still have problems. All right, Blakely, what's up? Hi there. Can you hear me now? Now it's working. Oh, right. No, that was my fault last time. Sorry about that. Uh, it's um, okay. it's just a question. I'm obviously probably judging by my accent. I'm calling from the UK, and um, you often compare the US. Um, to other countries, especially when it comes to policy around puberty blockers. But with regards to that in particular the, and the cultural war in general, is there any particular country you envy and you wish the U.S. would be more like? Is, is, yeah. and, uh, and, and related to that question, are you ever going to do a, a live show in the U.K.? Yeah, we want, we want to. If we do a live show abroad, I think London is the most likely place. There's nothing set, but I, I think we'll be able to make that happen. I would love to. So, If we can find a can... venue, you'll be very welcome in Turf Island. Yes, I would love Turf Island. <laughs> um, God, are there countries we... Yeah, you know, when I... I've spent a little bit of time in Germany, and of course, for understandable reasons, American coverage of places like Germany focuses on like the far right. But the fact is countries like Germany or the UK for that matter, um, you guys have a social consensus on like basic social welfare stuff that we completely lack. Like we're, we still have a pretty big sizable of the population that just isn't down with the idea that everyone should have decently affordable health care. Uh, so when you go to a place like Germany or you're exposed to like a political race in Germany, a lot of the stuff is just more muted because there is this baseline understanding I mean, I was just, I just got back from Israel, which is a completely crazy country. Even there, they don't have fights about abortion or nationalized healthcare, stuff like that. So there's a lot of countries I envy in that sense. I think every country has its own unique problems and is dysfunctional in its own way. And of course, UK politics lately have been just a train wreck, but, um, I envy even, even the UK in a lot of ways, just cause I, my own politics point toward like, yes, people should not go bankrupt because of healthcare and stuff like that. Even the UK, <laughs> even the UK, even your your disintegrating island. I, in certain ways, think you guys have a better uh, political system than we do. Although that's a tough call. I'll I'll be really quick with a comment, just to just to reply, which is one of the worries here is when we import, and this goes both left and right, the sort of US culture war sort of dialogue and. Uh, uh, oh no, I think that's. Uh, I think that unfortunately we've exported a lot of garbage on that front, um, where. Yeah, it, I don't think there we have anything of value to export politics-wise. No, well, maybe Barpod. Except for Barpod, which, of course, <laughs> should be spread throughout the world. Thanks, thanks Jesse. Thanks, Blakely. All right, let's end with uh, Christopher. Hey, Jesse. Uh, thanks for having me on. I just – I didn't realize I was going to have the last comment, but I, I just wanted to uh, – I actually live pretty close to Colorado Springs. I've been there a bunch of times, and I know people that uh, grew up there. And I think this reputation, it has some kind of reputation outside of Colorado as being this extreme right-wing conservative town. And it really is not like a 20 years out of date 
uh, perception that people have. There's multiple gay bars. There's a big gay scene. It's not really a conservative town anymore, although it, it definitely was years ago. And I think this, it's like because of that that anti-gay, I don't know, I'm characterizing him as anti-gay, but the, the baker who lived in Colorado Springs, who, yeah. uh, you know, I think that, that kind of colored people's impression about this. And, and that is part of the reason why people got so worked up and, oh, my God, another anti-gay thing from Colorado Springs. But it's just a, a false impression of the town. So I mentioned that in my newsletter. I mean, what I said is that I think it's clearly a conservative place. And my sense is there's a lot of both evangelical influence um, and there's three, you know, multiple military bases nearby. But I actually there's this cool chart people can see on my Substack. It's policy preferences of mass public by city. Um, they rate I don't know anything about the methodology. They rate every city in the country with more than 250,000 people on a liberal to conservative scale. So negative one is liberal, one is conservative. Colorado Springs is the quote unquote fourth most conservative, but there's such a skew to this graph, meaning the most conservative cities are just not that conservative. So like um, Colorado Springs is a, uh, it was like 0.4 on the negative one to one scale, but then you see all these like really liberal cities, like, way to the left so anyway that yeah i think that if this data is reliable it bears out the idea that it's 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 conservative city but we're not talking about like a super far right rural enclave or anything like that right exactly it's a big city it's it's a there's a huge variety of people it's not like a city city there's not like a lot of really tall buildings and people living in apartments it's a very spread out and it's like one of it's like a lot of places in colorado you know, if you're a little bit weird, you can definitely find a niche there. And so it's just, and, and all of Colorado has really blued dramatically. I mean, shifted to the left. So yeah, yeah I, I think, I think that's an accurate characterization of the town. It's just, I find it. It's all, well, yeah. it's almost, what Ben Collins said is almost, I also am stealing this for myself in the newsletter. It's like a right-wing caricature of what liberals think about flyover country. Colorado mm, exactly. Springs is so bigoted that these guys literally weren't safe anywhere but at the gay bar, which is just right. not how things really work, luckily, in 2022 anywhere, almost anywhere in America, I would say. Absolutely. I did, yeah. There are some places. I, I, I wouldn't go that far to say that. Yeah, but like almost nowhere, basically. Almost. Yeah, exactly. no, no. But yeah. Look, I are there deep red parts of Mississippi where gay couples right. probably shouldn't walk around holding hands? Yeah. Or even in, interracial couples. There's lots of cities where you wouldn't definitely wouldn't if you put, you wouldn't want to visit. <laughs> sure. And, and look, I look, I'm sure any like really conservative, fairly conservative place, there's some degree of harassment, but that, yeah, that's not mm-hmm. Colin's claim was much stronger that it's just exactly. putting, I guess to end where we started putting words in the mouths of recently murdered people. I just find grotesque, but um, anyway, I'm glad that, that you think my um, description of the Colorado Springs scene was like accurate enough. And thank you for the call. Thank you. Also, Christopher's, uh, if you look at his photo, it looks like the best, it's like a shrimp po' boy. Maybe? Yeah, it's a shrimp po' boy from a, there's a chain here in Colorado that, uh, actually they're all over the place, but yeah, it's a giant po' boy. I, What's the chain called? It's called uh, Papadou. Papadou? Yep. It's like you're, a, not, you're not skeptical of shrimp in the exact, like almost exact geographical center of the country? So actually it's really funny. I've had some of the best sushi in my life here. They fly it in on planes. Um, they fly it in, they overnight it from Japan. It's amazing. Papadou is the name of the chain. 
No, well, that that's not. They don't do sushi there, but they do. No, like, no, no. no but the, the, the po' boy chain. Can you spell that? It's oh yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a Creole. I mean, not Creole. Okay. Uh, it's <laughs> like P A P P A D E U X. I think is gotcha. what it is. Something like that. Looks yeah, very amazing. Delicious. I want to should, go to that place. You should. Right. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Christopher. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to uh, everyone else. Yeah, there were some really good uh, comments and questions today. We had a really good crowd. So uh, I think I'm going to try to do this again on Friday. Um, but uh, as always, I would just ask you to spread the words and spread the words, the word, and uh, tell other people about what I'm doing here. And I'm uh, off to get a drink with a friend from high school, if as one does if you're lucky enough to be in your hometown. There's still no people. Bye, everybody.